Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly 1 million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're in office sending invoices, a side hustle Hetsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and a standard printer. No special supplies or equipment. Within minutes, you're up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. And you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion out of shipping. With Stamps.com's new Rate Advisor tool, you can compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk. And with my promo code, POD, P-O-D, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in POD, P-O-D. That's Stamps.com, promo code POD. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the host of the Injured List podcast, Brian Scott. Hello, hello. Welcome to the room. Brian Scott, host of the Injury List podcast, doing my weekly injury updates for the NFL. Welcome to the room. Kevin, what's up? Thanks for joining me. How you doing this yeah, fine evening? Lots to talk about, especially if you're a New York Giants fan like myself, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> I think 70% of their starting offense production is currently down with an injury. Some guys, to name a few, is their star running back who, you know, we all know who went down last year with an ACL injury, and that is Saquon Barkley. Unfortunately, sprained his ankle last week, and it was significantly swollen as indicated by the television cameras, which picked it up on the sideline, so it wasn't subtle. And uh, unfortunately for him, he's probably going to be out a few weeks which is usually how it goes with these things. Um, sounds like it's, you know, it may not be as bad as it looks. A lot of times these ankle sprains look really bad. And there's no reason to think that it caused any major structural injury to the cartilage or the joint itself. So we'll have to see what his status is going forward. But you can probably look at, he's at least going to miss two weeks in my book. He might end up being more like a four-week uh, time frame, but we'll see. Just waiting for some news coming out of giant camp there, but they've got a couple of guys out with hamstring injuries, a couple of receivers that are out. Daniel Jones, their starting quarterback went down with concussion. They're all banged up. And I don't think any of those guys are going to be suiting up this weekend. I think it's about four starters total between the two or three wide receivers and their uh, starting quarterback. So, you know, tough, tough break if you're a giants fan, but anyway, welcome to the room guys. This is your chance to ask for, Injury updates on your favorite NFL players, those of you who have fantasy football rosters, 
and you are interested in getting some more information before you have to finalize your roster for tonight's game and for this weekend, this is your chance to ask. Take a, a view of my profile. Follow me here on Instagram or Twitter. I'm also now currently on the Wisdom app, which is another one. And um, raise your hand if you have questions. We'll bring you up on stage. KP Phillips in the house, raising his hand. Come on up, dude. What's your question? Hey there. Uh, you guys hear me all right? Yeah, yeah. Sound good. So listen, I'm in a really bad situation uh, with my tight with, uh, with with my tight end um, in my uh, tight end premium league of all things. I had Gronkowski and I have uh, Logan Thomas. Okay. Um, both obviously are out this week, so I'm having to uh, find someone off the waiver wire, and I'm stuck between uh, Brait. Uh, another option that I have is um, Najoku, or okay. I have uh, Mo Ali Cox. And a couple others, but those are the main top ones that I have. And I guess, I guess out of all those names that I just listed, um, <laughs> probably Cox and Najoku probably have like the the best uh, chance of falling into the end zone. But I just want to get your guys' <laughs> opinion on that. I know it's I know it's kind of not not a very good situation. Yeah, you know, I'm in a t- similar boat. I had Kittle. Uh, he's been out. And probably going to miss uh, another. Well, they have a bye this week, San Francisco. So luckily for me, I guess it doesn't affect me too much and gives him another chance to have a week off to recover. But the tight end position is one of those positions where any given play, um, they could potentially go out with a really serious injury. I don't have any good advice for you as to who to take out of those two. I think Mo Ali Cox actually had a pretty good week this past weekend in his game. And he did have a good might have more of an up side than Njoku, but uh, you know, maybe Kevin can speak more to this. I can tell you that Gronkowski being where he is in his career, I wouldn't expect him to rush back anytime soon. You know, given this fact that he's kind of toward the tail end, you know, even if it's a minor injury, I don't expect that they're going to rush him back. They're going to be needing him to last long into the season. So they're going to handle anything with him with kid gloves when it comes to any type of injury. I can guarantee you that whether it be, bruised ribs or, you know, hip pain. I mean, it could be the most mundane type of injury, but as long as they're winning and playing well without him, they're going to kind of treat him like a fragile vase, if you will, and probably not rush him back for anything, you know, significant or, or even for anything minor, um, to be honest with you. Um, and you probably would, I would expect the same thing for Kittle. Uh, you know, so long as San Francisco can kind of hang in there, this, you know, we're, we're still only what a third of the way into the season. I mean, we're looking at 17 weeks of uh, 17 games this year. So um, the, the, the whole injury situation is going to be handled a little different. I mean, you're, you're looking, I mean, the extra week does make a big deal, believe it or not, even though you might say, well, it's just one more, more week, but it's another week of training. It's another week of competition. It's another you know, week that the season gets pushed back with playoffs and whatnot. So uh, when it comes to Gronkowski, I, I don't, I'm not too familiar with the other uh, injuries out there for the tight end position. Um, I, I think Gronkowski's was rib, like some rib contusions, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. I mean, you know, in football, that's going to happen a lot. Um, whether they're fractured or sprained or just contused, the unfortunate thing with rib injuries is they can take a while to get better. You know, your rib cage is constantly having to expand and contract when you breathe. And most of the ribs um, are made up of costocartilage, which is kind of like flexible cartilage 
there's only a small portion of the ribs that are actually bony architecture. Um, and even if they were cracked or bruised, it, you essentially treat it the same way. And there's really nothing to do but give it time to heal. But that, you know, varies between each individual player. So that could take Gronkowski at the age of 30 plus, you know, whatever he is. Uh, that could take him a lot longer than it would have taken like a 23 or 24 year old tight end. So I wouldn't expect him being rushed back anytime soon. Yeah, How do you feel about these situations for the playoffs? Um, as long as Tampa keeps winning and, and they had a big week last week, there's no need to rush him back. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. So how do you, how do you feel about Logan Thomas? Because I've heard some people say that, well, you know, he's, he's athletic as far as football goes, but as, as far as the spectrum of being a, a player, he's not exactly a super athletic return to, return to uh, you know, practice type of player. Do you think he'll be out for a while? Um, hamstring injury, I think he has, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And, um, that's never good when you hear that coming from a tight end position, <laughs> uh, for, for a few reasons. One, um, he's kind of far into his career right now. He's 30. Uh, so not a young pup by any stretch of the imagination in the world of the NFL. Um, and you know, the few times that tight ends really need to actually sprint and kind of hit that extra gear, uh, doesn't happen very often in the games, in the course of a game, you know, they're going to go out for passes, but the actual time they make that catch and are expected to like really take off downfield is probably far and few between. And that to me with hamstrings is the thing I dread the most because that's typically how they get hurt, but that's also how they often get re-injured and hamstrings take a notoriously long time to heal. It's a very weak part of the anatomy. It's a very weak muscle group in general, and it's made up with four different muscles, but they're all very weak and they're not as, um, um, they're, they're much more prone to being injured and re-injured and they take a long time to get better. So that's the unfortunate thing with him. I mean, and I just talked about this at the introduction, the giants are dealing with like two or three guys that have hamstring injuries. Kenny Galladay has been dealing with a hamstring injury since training camp. And we're now like six weeks into the season. So just to give you an idea, Austin Eckler last year basically missed an entire quarter of the season because of a hamstring injury and, I mean, these things take a long time to heal. And when you're talking about a 30-year-old tight end, uh, not not a good injury to have. Not because it's a career-threatening injury or anything. It just takes a long time to get better, and the risk of re-injury is very high. I appreciate your insight, uh, Kevin and Brian. And I guess out of good news, somebody in that same tight end premium league dropped, um, which there's two quarterback slots, dropped Tua. And I picked him up off the waiver. Oh, now, no. what are your thoughts on him coming back? Oh, no. <laughs> and actually making a difference. And, and maybe, maybe he's an extra quarterback that I have. Uh, maybe I can move him to grab a tight end two with upside. You know, what are your thoughts on Tua? Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on Tua. Um, Kevin, you may, you're laughing. You may have heard me go off on my Tua rant before. I have. Um, I have. <laughs> and I've got a whole episode on my podcast basically dedicated to Tua. Uh, because he has, he's had some major injuries very early in his career, including in his collegiate career. And he's been out for like the last three weeks or whatever. He has been out with a rib contusions. I mean, this dude is like, if he actually stays on the field for the entire length of a season, um, it'll be miraculous. Uh, he's very fragile. I think we've established that already. Uh, he has, uh, throughout his career. I, I, I actually dropped him from my league that I'm in. Not that I'm a great, you know, drafter or anything by any imagination. He actually got picked up on my team 
toward the end of the draft. I don't think anybody was going to take him. And I, he's been on the free agent list in my 16 league team for basically since I got rid of him week three or two. Um, he's, you know, if you know he's going to play and you need to fill a spot last minute, then plug him in. Otherwise, drop him like a bad habit. I was just kind of holding him in hopes that maybe he has a breakout game and maybe I could move him for a tight end. It's it's I'm hard to have a breakout game if you can't stay on the field and be healthy, right? True. Like one of the, a couple of people I know in athletics have always had some great quotes, especially coaches. And one of the best quotes I had with uh, regards to a player, the like of Tua was your, your best ability is your availability. Um, you can't succeed in this league if you can't stay on the field, period. Uh, you need to be out there. You need to be healthy. And Tua already at a very early stage in his career um, had just hasn't been able to do that. And I'm not saying it's his fault. I mean, some people genetically, um, physio- physiologically are just not, um, you know, just more fragile than others. And there's no way to know why that is or understand it or prevent it. Um, he, he's gotten banged up a lot. Maybe part of that is his style of play, not knowing when to get rid of the ball or scramble. Hard to say for sure, but some of the injuries he's had have been pretty significant on some pretty innocuous looking plays. Um, you know, his uh, hip dislocation last uh, year or two years ago, his last year in college, was a pretty innocent looking tackle from behind that probably has happened a million times. And this 20 something year old kid like dislocates his hip. And that was one of the most serious injuries you could potentially have as a young uh, NFL uh, player. So, um, he seems to have gotten through that unscathed, relatively unscathed, thank goodness. But uh, long-term, uh, this dude's career, I, I have a bad feeling, just based on the history we already have, that it's going to be marred by a lot of time lost to injuries. Yeah, he used all his deductible, his health. Seriously. Um, but again, if you're going to pick him, this is the week to do it. They're playing Jacksonville in London, neutral field. Jaguars have all type of issues. So if you're going to go with him, this would be the week. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I said, if you, if you got, if you got like an emergency spot to fill and you know, it's not bad to have somebody like him available. I mean, go for it. Uh, you might throw for a lot of yards on Sunday. There you go. I get the feeling he's probably going to have a pretty good game. That's what I'm hoping for. And I hope next by Monday I can put him up on the, uh, on the trade block. Do we know and, he's starting? Know, Has he been practicing this week? Yeah, he's, he's scheduled to return this week. Yes, um, okay. It, it, it seems like this might be his Miami career in the balance because, um, you know, uh, Dolphins are flirting with Deshaun Watson, whatever. That's going to happen with that whole situation. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously the draft. So he's on notice. So th- this, this, is, this is make or break for him right now. Yeah, I think a lot of organizations don't have much patience anymore when it comes to the quarterback position. And you could probably um, uh, blame Josh Rosen for that because he was kind of high on himself coming out of college and he kind of tanked. And the Cardinals didn't hesitate picking up Kyler Murray uh, within a year or two. So, Yeah, the reason is because, again, you know, with with the way the salaries are, you got that five-year window. So you got a quarterback on a rookie deal. You got a lot of flexibility. So before those guys start to command that big money, you got a chance to do it. So... If it ain't happened in year two or three, mm. these teams today are not opposed to just cleaning the slate and starting over. Yeah. So this is a this is make or break for Tua. I'm a fan of his, but he has since Alabama, he's had some, you know, some awful injuries. 
Yeah, it really has at a young age, which is not good for longevity in the NFL, which is already a league where the average career lasts less than 10 years, maybe even less than seven, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, it's when you look across the board at different position players and whatnot. Um, and if you're a quarterback going through what he's gone through already, you're not going to, the law of averages is working against you. Yeah, I just want to be clear. I'm not high on two. I didn't draft him <laughs> in any of my leagues at all. It just, I saw an opportunity and I thought, damn, if this guy breaks out this week and he gets and he scores a lot of points, somebody in this league is going to want a quarterback. And maybe I can, because right now I got two old guys yeah! sitting sitting in my quarterback position <laughs> with Gronkowski and Thomas. So yeah, I, I need some help there. No, it's a good strategy, KP. I, I'll give you that. You know, again, if it's, the, if it's any week, this is the week to pick him. Because again, if he has a great week, He'll get a lot of pubs Sunday. They got an early game, so they'll they'll be talking through the afternoon and evening into Monday. And then again, like I say, he'll be a hot commodity. So if you're gonna do it, this is the time to pull it with two. Yeah, yeah thanks. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, KP. Good questions. Good questions. That's that's what we're here to do in this room, by the way, for those of you in the audience listening. And I want to thank Kevin for joining me. I wasn't expecting you, Kev. Thank you for showing up. Kevin's got his own um, show here uh, under the Pro Sport Network called Not Your Ordinary Football uh, Show. Is that right, Kev? I got that right? I don't want to screw you it up. got it right, yeah. Um, nah, my pleasure, Brian. You always come show love in our room. Yeah, so and dude, him and Terrell on that show, it's awesome uh, conversation. Um, everyone gets a chance to speak. He does a great job mod- moderating the room, so I highly recommend it. Kev, when do you guys do your show? Just remind everybody here. Sure, it's every Tuesday evening, um, 9 p.m. Eastern, 9 to 11. We kind of recap the previous week and then dive into the week ahead. Um, Terrell Jones is a uh, my partner on the show. is a former um, NFL traffic conditioning coach many years with the 49ers, um, Tampa Bay, and a couple other teams. So it's a great conversation. Brian's a part of it, and just kind of dive into good football talk. So those of you in the audience, if you have any questions about a player that's injured, if you want some advice, uh, just kind of like KP uh, asked, you know, Raise your hand. I've got that feature uh, abled, and I'll bring you up to the audience. You can um, throw out some questions or even just throw some opinions. Kevin, do you have any questions about anybody injured this week? Well, you know, um, obviously, uh, I'm a Jet fan. <laughs> just oh. sometimes, someone's like saying <laughs> I'm an alcoholic. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, obviously, with back then, you know, that's going to, I'm, you know, I'm hearing in a few weeks he'll be back. That's the thought because it wasn't a season-ending situation. Um, not that I'm a Giant fan, but you answered my question about Saquon. Um, just, uh, you know, I'm a Penn State guy, and I, I just, I, I feel for that kid that uh, it just seems like he just can't get on track. So, yeah, um, kind of answered my questions earlier in the shoot, but. You know, again, like I said, we we get into the point time of year we have, we just passed that kind of the first quarter of the season, and, and you know we're in October. Um, we're like it's it's very important for teams to start the game rhythm, and we're yeah. seeing like 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 the Chiefs and they're having some issues, and some other teams. It's important to get rhythm. This is a great rhythm month, so you know, again, staying healthy in the NFL is half the battle. Yeah, um, you know, Mackay, so the, the, the advantage that Mackay Becton had working in his favor is that if you're going to have an injury like he had, the earlier you can get that under your belt in the season, the better off you'll be. And he definitely, I, I have no doubt he'll make it back into the, the lineup. Um, again, you know, depending on how the season kind of unfolds here, 
Right, I'm almost asking like, is it even worth it to come back? I mean, we're one and well, one and four right now. I don't, I don't know where we're going, but you know, do you, do you think that you know, based off your experience with those type of injuries, a guy like that's that size, yeah, maybe like, hey, there's no need to come back. You know, it's lost season and just get healthy for 2022. Yeah. So with that particular injury, it really um, comes down to what else or what other structures were injured at the time that his knee cap dislocated that injury, the younger it happens. So it's like, it happens in your teenage years, then the likelihood that it's going to happen again is much higher um, than it is as you age. So if it's a first time dislocation for his, which by all accounts that I've heard and read, it is, then the likelihood of it happening given his age is a lot lower. However, given that he's a professional football player, that risk does exist and given his position where you're constantly having to lock up with guys with your legs planted and there's potential of getting rolled up again you know that's a that's a concern um if there is no size brian i mean we're talking about a really big man yeah um you know uh i think i think beckton is over 300 pounds oh yeah he's i think like six six like three something yeah um seven three ten yeah so like i mean with that type of you know size and you know mass does that affect you know, um, from just because of the, the girth of the man? Sure. Uh, sure. I mean, you're talking about tremendous amount of force there going through that kneecap and through those structures that help hold it in place, like ligaments and tendons. The biggest issue is becomes the cartilage on the back of that kneecap. Did it get damaged? And to, to what degree? And whether or not ligament got torn? Because if those things, uh, any combination of those two things happened, you know, that I, I would think that they would have, I'm sure they got an MRI. And if they see, saw anything wrong on that, you're probably best to just address it surgically now rather than try and come back and play out the season. Um, you know, but here's the thing, like, again, they have time is on his side because whether he has surgery now or waited till the end of the year, this is not one of those things that's going to require like 12 to 18 months before he's back on the field. This tends to have a much quicker recovery depending on what needs to be done. Um, at the most, you're talking some type of ligament reconstructive surgery to kind of help stabilize the kneecap. But even that doesn't have a very long um, downtime um, with getting back to football activities. So they're probably just trying to see how it goes. Now, often you can treat this without surgery and, and with bracing, which a lot of these guys in the NFL do wear already. Um, you can, he can compete at a very high level with no residual issues or long-term effects, uh, effects but um it really comes down to what they found on that MRI scan and whether they have any uh, suspicion of any long structural damage. And my guess is that they didn't see anything significant that they thought they felt the need to rush to surgery, which is good news for him. And again, he's got time on his side. So, you know, if the season continues to unfold really poorly for the jets, then they may just bag it for him and say, Hey, let's, let's get you right. Let's get this thing fixed or let's, let's take a look at least and address it if we need to. Um, and it's not un- unreasonable and, and often is the case that some of these guys will just get arthroscopic surgery, not so much to treat potential injuries or injuries that occurred, but sometimes just as a diagnostic measure to really assess what is going on. And then if there is something that they can fix, they fix it. Because you got to remember, not all MRI scans, not all x-rays are 100%. You know, there's right, things that are easily up. missed, um, even to the very well-trained eye. So, um but, you know, I'm sure he's had a, a bunch of experts reviewing everything and checking in with him, you know, and the training staffs in, in these organizations are top, top notch. So, um, Question. yeah. 
what about uh what's the latest on Russell Wilson? Um oh, so last week that was kind of ugly. Yeah. What happened to him Thursday night? Um <laughs> the, the uh Seahawks try to say he's a fast healer. I don't know what, know what that means. But <laughs> what's your thoughts on Wilson and, and just that, you know, could he play through that pain threshold or is that or that's just something that really could be ugly? I know he has surgery on it. Yeah, so it's 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 actually interesting cuz from what the the Seahawks came out and made a statement about his injury. And it turns out that he not only did he sustain what's called a mallet finger, which is a a, te- a rupture of the tendon that it extends the most distal part of your uh, finger, but he also um, fractured one of the portions of the finger near the joint on that first knuckle, uh, where right where the finger kind of meets uh, right before the finger meets the hand. So he had a fracture dis- uh, of that along with a dislocation. And then had that tendon rupture on top of it. So it wasn't just a straightforward mallet finger. And I got to be honest, four weeks is a little bit optimistic. But but I, I don't think it's unrealistic. Because the one thing that hand injuries and finger injuries are notorious for is if not treated aggressively after surgical repair, they can get very, very stiff and stay chronically swollen. So the rehab for a lot of these treatments is actually very aggressive with therapy and getting them moving and using the hand again because you want to prevent that stiffness and stuff from setting in. It's not often, to be honest, that you actually have to fix that mallet finger. A lot of times in the general population, like you or I, Kev, if we had that injury, they would just splint it. And six weeks or so later, sometimes even a little longer, you take it the splint off and gradually start moving it again. And it typically will heal on its own. But they probably figure that while they're in there taking care of the fracture that occurred, they might as well just fix the mallet finger too and guarantee that that tendon stays attached where it needs to be. Four weeks is a little optimistic, but I don't think it's unrealistic. The problem is this is a throwing hand. So, uh, yeah. uh, you know, until he has a the money maker. Yeah. And until <laughs> he's able to pick up a ball and throw it, which is probably not going to be until about four weeks, they may not know whether he's ready or not. So I think it's a little optimistic to say four weeks. I don't think it's unrealistic, but until he's able to actually pick up a ball and throw it, there's no way to really know whether he's ready. And that's the problem. Now, with something like that, Brian, again, um, this is great insight for me. From a standpoint of pain threshold, right? So let's say, um, okay, they, they've, they've made the correct corrections, what have you. You said they didn't even need to do surgery, but they did it. But if he can have, if he has a high pain threshold, can he work, play through that? Or you, as a, you know, somebody who knows this stuff, recommend somebody like that nature should not touch a ball because it could do more significant damage what's your thoughts well so if like i said if it was just that mallet finger right if it was just that tendon injury then you can splint it and he probably could play through it but because he had the fracture in a different portion of the finger on the same finger and they fix that that you can't mess with because if you don't give that adequate time to heal that's going to create long-term issues it may create instability in that joint it may cause it to chronically dislocate it may cause severe arthritis, swelling, and stiffening of that joint, which will, you know, affect his ability to throw the ball significantly. So, and that doesn't necessarily mean because it's painful. It could just be a mechanical problem. You know, he might have a very high threshold for pain, but if he can't grab or grasp the ball appropriately to throw, I mean, that, that middle finger, was his middle finger, and it's probably one of the most important fingers when you're throwing a spiral to get a nice tight spiral. Um, yeah, you, you know, uh, whether he has a good pain threshold or not, I don't think uh, it, with that fracture that he really should play through it or they would even jeopardize him playing through it. 
If it was just a mallet finger, different story. But it's, it was more complicated than that, unfortunately. Hey, Brian, I just wanted to real, real quickly, man. I've, so I trained, I trained Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for like 11 years. So sure. I, I had my fair share of injuries, man. And I'll tell you something. Anytime, like when I actually broke one of my fingers, it was, I, I think I'd rather have separated my shoulder. Than, <laughs> just because there's so many nerves yeah. that are in your fingers and toes, man. It just, uh, it was, I mean, I, it's unreal. Like when you actually break one of your fingers or you dislocate it or whatever, it, uh, it's probably painful. I love that. That is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify is a platform designed for anyone to sell anywhere, giving entrepreneurs like me the resources that were once reserved for big business, and it's customized to your needs. You get a great-looking online store that really helps bring your ideas to life and tools to manage the day-to-day and drive sales. And I'm speaking about this from experience. I'm really passionate about bass fishing. And a little over five years ago, I started an e-commerce bass fishing brand with my best friend, Aaron, called Woo Tungsten. Actually, it's pronounced Woo Tungsten, W-O-O exclamation mark, because that's the sound you make when you catch a giant bass. And it was a no-brainer to do this on Shopify because they've made it so easy every step of the way from creating product listings to making discount codes to managing shipments. In fact, if you want to see what an e-commerce store looks like on Shopify, go to wootungsten.com and you can see. And it's no wonder that every 28 seconds, a small business owner makes their first sale on Shopify. You can get started by building and customizing your online store with no coding or design experience. And you can gain knowledge and confidence with extensive resources to help you succeed. Plus, with 24-7 support, you're never alone. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash bluewire, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial, and you'll get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Start selling on Shopify today, just like me, just like Wu Tungsten, by going to shopify.com slash bluewire right now. That's shopify.com slash bluewire. When your business is starting its championship run, nothing matters more than finding and hiring the best team. With Indeed, you have the power to build a dynasty by hiring more MVPs faster. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job posts at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through March 31st. If you're hiring, you need Indeed because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. And Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applicants that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire to claim your $75 credit before March 31st. No matter how the last game went, anytime you take the field, you got a shot at greatness. Give your team the best shot at winning by recruiting more MVPs with Indeed. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, I mean, we, we take it for granted how important 
our hands are, how f- our fingers are, until you have an injury to one of your <laughs> fingers or hands, and then all of a sudden you can't use them like you normally would. And then you realize just how important and how debilitating it can be to have something go wrong. Um, you know, you just don't realize it. That and, and your your extremity, like your limbs, right? Like you walk on your feet, your knees, like you don't realize how important all that stuff is until you're able to <laughs> or not able to use them the way they were meant to be used and designed to be used. Uh, and I, you know, I speak from experience both as a provider, but I've also been on the injury front myself. I've had some bad knee injuries over the years and I've been on the shelf too. So I know how it goes both, both ways. Um, and I, and I, my wife is an occupational hand therapist. So, you know, she has good insight on this stuff too. And she tells me all the time, like the horror stories and the, the difficulty in treating some of these finger injuries. And I've seen it firsthand too, working with some of the hand surgeons I have over the years. Yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, to some degree, you're right, KP. I almost would rather have separated my shoulder or had some other type of injury, especially as a quarterback, right? If you're going to be a quarterback and your throwing hand and your throwing finger gets injured, like of all the of all the body parts, you know, but again, this is, you know, it was a very classic play, how it happened. He was following through after letting go of the pass and just basically cracked it on some guy's helmet, you know, charging up to make the tackle on him. So I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often. Yeah, right. All the, tra- all the, the you know, the pressure up top. Yeah step into throws. I, I was really surprised. I mean, obviously it happened, but I'm surprised it doesn't happen more. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, he probably could buddy tape it when he comes back and just have kind of the other finger taped to the other finger to provide some additional stability and whatnot. But you know, if it was just a mallet finger, I think he would probably try to do it. But because he had that fracture and they fixed it, that, that changed the whole thing. Um, and that really, uh, prolonged the recovery, unfortunately. But you know, like I said, they're saying four weeks. I think that's optimistic, but it's not unrealistic. We'll have to see when he picks up a ball because that's going to be the, the moment when he knows and they know for sure whether he's going to be ready. Uh, I just don't know when they're going to clear him to pick up a ball and start throwing again. That's the problem. Could be It could be at, right at that four-week mark when they think he's coming back. <laughs> it could literally come down to like one moment in time. We're like, all right, let's see what you got there, Russ, and uh, see what happens. But we won't know until that occurs. Tough, tough injury for Russell Wilson. I feel bad because, you know, it's, it's got to be really demoralizing too because you're overall, you're physically healthy. You just have this one finger on the hand that's the most important hand as a quarterback. And you, it's got to be really frustrating just sitting there looking at this thing in the splint or dressing or bandage, whatever he's got on it, and watching everybody out there participate. And the good news is he can still kind of run around and maintain some level of conditioning and do some leg workouts and whatnot. Um so that's a good news. You know, he can still maintain some level of fitness because it's not his knee or his ankle or whatnot. Um, but, he, you know, as far as lifting and doing anything with that, that hand really is too strenuous, he's got to be really careful. Good questions. Hey, hey Brian, um, I know we're talking about week six here, but yeah. uh, I, since I'm playing some dynasty leagues, uh, I, if we get some a moment, I'd like to ask some questions about some long-term injuries and get your opinion on those as well. Shoot, man, that's what I'm here to do. Well, uh, if anyone down in the audience wants to talk about week six, just jump up and... and, and yeah, raise me. your hand. It's, I got the raise uh, your hand feature on. All you got to do is raise your hand. I'll pull you up. I'll, um, I'll, I'll talk about some dynasty injuries. So what are your thoughts on uh, Dobbins and Akers both coming back next year and being able to rebound from their injuries? Well, so Akers had an Achilles tendon rupture and Dobbins was an ACL, correct? That's correct. And uh, both running backs. Um you know, there was a time where an Achilles tendon rupture was basically the end of your career. I think those days are behind us. And I think in football, given the fact that 
they're not really doing much in the way of jumping. I think you can definitely come back from that. You will lose some degree of power though in your leg, and you will you will um, struggle with a little bit of strengthening. But that can sometimes kind of rectify itself within a year to a year and a half after the injury and recovery. We've gotten better with the surgical techniques in keeping the incision small for the Achilles tendon repairs, which in turn allows for quicker healing. And we've gotten a little bit more aggressive in their rehabs, which leads to better results that we found with their long, long, long-term recoveries. So I think the, it, it's optimistic on that front. Now, with the ACL injuries, there's been, you know, we hear about these all the time. And we, um, you know, a lot of high-profile players have had this injury. Odell Beckham Jr. last year, Saquon Barkley last year. The, the big issue with the ACL injuries isn't necessarily the ACL injury. It's whether or not there were, was any other structural damage to the knee that then had to be addressed surgically at the time of the surgery. And in Saquon Barkley's um, uh, uh, example, he had a meniscus injury, which is the two kind of shock absorbers of the knee, and they had to do a repair on that. That prolonged his recovery, which is why he didn't come back so quick compared to Odell who was back basically nine months after surgery. Uh, Saquon was kind of closer to that 12, 13-month mark. But there's a lot of other factors that kind of go into the recovery, and that's the thing that really is the most important when you're talking about ACL injuries is, is the rehab that goes into it. The surgery has been pretty much perfected. There are several different techniques, several different ways that they reconstruct that ligament. The, what it really comes and, and all of those techniques are very well proven and have shown good um, e- efficacy when it looks at long-term studies. Um, the, the real question for the immediate return and immediate future of the, the, the athlete is whether there was any other type of structural damage. Um, so, you know, a lot of running backs have come back from that injury. Um, like I said, the surgical techniques have gotten better. I don't foresee any major um, long-term issues with either player, given that they didn't have any other major structural issues and their rehabs go well. Okay, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, you know, ACL is very common. We hear a lot about it just because it's so common. At least you think it is because you hear a lot about it. But it's, for some reason, it, it, it gets a lot of attention in the press. But, um, you know, sometimes these other injuries go a little bit uh, less discussed and talked about. But ACL, injury, ACL injuries have been around a long time. Um, nothing's, tech, technologically speaking, nothing's really changed too much. Over the last few years, just a little bit of changing changes that occur with some of the technique. And now a lot of guys are starting to use the quad tendon to do the reconstruction. Whereas before, back in the early days, they used to use the patellar tendon. Some guys are still doing hamstring tendons. Um, so that, you know, it's kind of like ebb and flow. Every couple of years, there'll be a new study that comes out that says, oh, you should use this tendon or this reconstruction technique or that, you know, allograft or that autograft. Um, but it always kind of evens out. And so a lot of it just comes down to surgeon preference, comfortable, uh, and how, the, how comfortable the surgeon is with the technique and harvesting that particular tendon. Some of it comes down to whether, you know, what type of athlete they are, what do they do for a living. So, and that will vary uh, between high-level professional athletes and the general population. But typically, depending on, you know, your sports surgeon, most of the guys will do what's being done in the, at the professional level as far as the technique and the craft um, procedure. So, 
And I know you're talking strictly injuries here, but my biggest concern specifically with Akers is, are they going to wait on him? You know, is, is his position still going to be there? Or are they going to end up moving someone else in or drafting someone else? So it's kind of healthy player has to be, you know, the, <clears throat> their, their available position at the same time. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a science, I guess. So well, even if they are healthy, it'll be interesting to see if their position is still there. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a, you know, legitimate concern. I think of any organization when dealing with an injured guy like this, um, I will say that I think most organizations are way more concerned from a health perspective and injury perspective when the injury is centered around the joint. And when you take a look at the Achilles tendon injuries, it's a purely soft tissue injury. So I think that's, there's a big difference when you're looking at the two, right? Like if you have a potential injury to the joint, especially like the knee, like we talked about here, um, you know, there's the potential that you've developed some post-traumatic arthritis that isn't always apparent right away. Sometimes that can take several years to really manifest. And so if you're investing, you know, years into a player's contract, um, you've got to darn well make sure that there's no st structural injury to their cartilage or their other parts of their knee joint before you're really going to sign that big or offer that big contract. Conversely, if you're looking at somebody coming off a purely soft tissue injury, and everything's going well with their recovery and their rehab, and they don't show any signs of being really significantly limited or changed because of it, well, they may be more apt to extend him a bigger, longer offer than they would the guy with the knee ACL reconstruction. You know? um, so there is a, a, a very important difference to you know, make, be aware of when it comes to these things. And I'm sure that that's taken into very strong consideration when these organizations sit and meet with their healthcare team um, at the end of the year and they're going through player contracts and doing all these player physicals. And I know it, it is a big issue um, at the NFL combine every year when you're looking at potential draft picks and they may have some type of injury history, you know, what type of injury they have had, how was it fixed surgically, what body part and what joint, if any, did it involve? Was it purely soft tissue? That is a big factor um, in the combine for sure. And I don't think it gets taken lightly when it comes to re-signing players who are coming off injury um, and doing player evaluations when they're coming off injury either. Kevin, Brian, I really appreciate you guys giving me some insight into this week. Um, and I'm really nervous about tonight. Break goes off. <laughs> and I'm, in, I'm in deep trouble, but I, I'm following you guys on Instagram cool. and um, I'm looking forward to you guys having more rooms, but uh, I, I got to go for now, but. I'm following you both here on Clubhouse and on your social media platforms. Thank you so much. Uh, appreciate you guys. My pleasure. Have a great night and a good weekend. Man. Yeah, good luck. Good luck. Hope it works out for you. Thanks for, Thank thanks you, for joining us. So great questions by KP. For those of you guys in the, in the audience, you know, feel free to ping anybody else into the room that you think might find this information and topic interesting. We're probably not going to stick around too much longer because the Thursday night football game is going to be kicking off sh shortly. And I don't like to go into the game. I like to kind of taper off as we get closer to kickoff. But if you guys have any um, players on your fantasy roster that are injured and you want some information, you're not sure what to do, um, that's what I'm here for. Kevin's joining me tag, tag team here today, and he's probably the guy to ask about more strategic stuff and players to look out for, maybe sign or pick up on waivers, um, things like that. So Kev, thanks for joining us. Kev's got his own talk show um, here on Clubhouse under the Pro Sport Network as well called Not Your Average Football Show, and he does his on Tuesdays, uh, Tuesday evenings, which I will sometimes pop into and give some commentary and feedback. So check that out if you haven't already. It's a great show. Him and Terrell, they do some really great topics and have great discussions. 
Um, but yeah, thanks uh, again for everybody in the room. I'm going to take a short break. I just need to wet my palate a second here. Um, so <laughs> let me just run and get a, a thing of water. I'll be right back. You're listening to the Injured List Podcast with your host, Brian Scott, your go-to resource for all sport injury-related topics. For show notes and other resources, visit theinjuredlist.com. Now, back to the show. You're listening to the Injured List Podcast with your host, Brian Scott, your go-to resource for all sport injury-related topics. For show notes and other resources, visit theinjuredlist.com. Now, back to the show. All right, we're back here. Thank you. Sorry about that. Just had to grab a quick glass of water. My mouth's getting all dry, all that talking I was doing. So, um... Those of you in the audience, if you're interested in asking a question, please feel free to raise your hand. I got that feature on. If you know anybody that might be interested in this topic or in conversation around this topic, please ping them into the room. Kev, do you too? If you know anybody, ping them in. Um, my, I don't know. I don't think I got this pinging thing figured out. I'm not very good at it, but I try. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's actually working. Uh, it's a thing called ping jail too, I've heard you. Ping too many, they they throw you into like purgatory. Oh jeez, yeah. Well, I'm not messing around with it anymore. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I probably put myself in there for all I know. You know, Brian. I mean, obviously, um, we know it all sports, especially with the NFL and football in general. It, you know, it's 100 percent injury rate. You know, once you put the pads on, you will get hurt. There's not an if or when. It's just you will get hurt. Yeah. When it comes to like some of these injuries and just from a medical opinion, do you feel like uh, the league has gotten better with uh, trying to have the players, you know, interested at heart? I mean, like in the past, like I know when I, I played football in prehistoric days now, they put the smelling sauce under your nose and if you can count to one, two, you can get back in there. I know now it's much more stringent with uh, – rules in the in, in the tent and things like that but just overall with like athletes a type athletes that these guys are these guys are gladiators kind of protecting them from their own selves has the league gotten better with that in your opinion yeah i think they have absolutely um and you know probably the best example of that would be the concussion protocols they have in place and all the stuff centered around head injuries i wish actually some of the other sports would take the NFL as an example and model some of their stuff um, on it. You know, you look at a sport like hockey, which just started recently and I don't know if they've really done much at all. I couldn't tell you if there's like a hockey concussion protocol. Maybe there is, you don't really hear about it much, but I'll tell you their equipment, their equipment hasn't changed in like 30 something years. I mean, those hockey helmets are totally inadequate. Um, some guys don't even wear mouthpieces. Their chin straps half the time are hanging off. Um, I mean, you look at guys like Sidney Crosby, who's had multiple concussions. Uh, if this guy doesn't get CTE at some point in his life, then it, then maybe we're looking at the wrong stuff here scientifically. I don't know. But it seems like the NHL hasn't done much to address it. And if you ask me, and statistically speaking, there's probably no difference in the amount of concussions in the game of hockey versus the game of football. Or at least it's pretty darn close. 
whatever it may be. I agree. Um, so I think the NFL has actually taken, uh, put themselves out front and done a great job with that particular injury. But I think they've also done a good job overall with a lot of the stuff. And I think part of that, it has to do with the concussion um, stuff being so prevalent in the media today. Um, you know, you got movies being made about it. You've got athlete, high level profile guys who have retired and committed suicide and been researched and found to have CTE, like Junior Seau, to name one. But, you know, and that gives negative press. And obviously it's more reactionary than it is proaction, um, being proactive. So that's not good, but at least they've done something. When And again, like when you look at a sport like hockey, they really haven't done much. And so I, I think, you know, given today's social climate and all that other stuff, I think they've done, I think they've done a good job. I, I actually think they've probably set the bar kind of high compared to some of the other sports. Right, right. Yeah, I agree. And again, like I said, it's, uh, you know, again, it's human NASCAR. I mean, you, you're talking about 300, 300 pound men moving like, you know, the speed of light. Yeah. That's just not, it's not normal. No, definitely <laughs> not. Guys like Aaron Donald and some of these guys that run sideline to sideline as fast as running backs is, is kind of crazy. And, and uh, Kevin, wasn't that long ago, man, that I was on the sideline, you know, early in my career. Um, and I can remember the concussion protocol being something as simple as, uh, you know, looking at their eyeballs with a pen light, asking them a few simple questions. And, mm-hmm. and if the they answered them, <laughs> if they answered them appropriately and they didn't look at your cross-eyed, get back in there. I mean, like that's all it was. And so it's come a very long way in a very short period of time. Um, and one of the good things about the NFL um, and some of the, some of the other sports, uh, but in particular the NFL is the amount of trouble they've gone through to, instill uh, injury tracking software within the organizations that the healthcare teams can log into and track a bunch of injuries. And it's all for research purposes. Um, They've also done um, what's called this um, spotter program now, which I don't know if you've heard about, but each home game, uh, the home team uh, has to hire um, several athletic trainers who are not, have no affiliation with the home team. And they, basically pay them to be spotters sitting in the booths um, and sometimes maybe even in stands, I'm not sure where they scan the field with binoculars and they have radios and they're in direct communication with the official head official on the field, as well as the healthcare team. And if they spot an injury or potential concussion that they think has gone unnoticed, they radio down immediately to the sideline and get that player removed. And the interesting thing about that is they actually have the power to stop the game at any point in time to notify the head official that there has been an injury and the player needs to be removed. Um, wow. Yeah, and not a lot of people know about that, but it's a real thing, and uh, it happens at every home game. And it's, there's been a few instances where it actually has been used and come into play. Um, it was really all started after... Um, who was it? Uh, one of the, the Patriots uh, wide receiver who recently retired and uh, played all those years with Tom Brady in New England. Um, Are you talking about uh, Julian Elliman? Yeah, he had a really nasty concussion and basically like got up and walked off the field and came back on. And apparently that w- injury in particular, I guess, kind of spurred this whole talk and thing going. And once the ball got rolling, it picked up momentum. And that's how this all started, apparently from what I've read. So it's an interesting thing. So when you talk about like what has the NFL done or what, I mean, that's one of the big things is like 
they've gone so far as to bring in objective third-party people to monitor and scan the field to look for injuries that potentially get missed because of all the commotion going on on the sideline during the game. Right. You, you mentioned, like, obviously the old days with the smell and sauce and stuff like that. What about the equipment? Like, obviously, I see the helmets a lot better. Um, the shoulder pads and, and, and just some of the, the pads are not a lot lighter but much more um, geared toward uh, protecting the athletes. So well, talk, let's talk about the helmets first. I mean, like how the helmets have gotten so new and, 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 and set to help with concussions and having guys be more safe on the field. Yeah, so there's been a tremendous amount of research into the construction and materials used in some of these helmets. And that goes back to even early in my career. I can remember um, Shutt was one of the companies, S-H-U-T-T, that came out with a, a new style helmet. And it got a lot of uh, negative press because it just didn't look like the normal helmets that everybody became so accustomed to. But it had some really good technological ideas in place to help prevent against head injuries. It had a different style face mask. The ear coverings came down lower. There was like an extra shell or something on the outside part of the helmet to basically act as like an additional uh, impact absorbent material to prevent against concussion. Um, over the years, a couple of other well-known uh, sports equipment companies have thrown their, <laughs> no pun intended, hats into the ring to try and develop their own helmets. And then I think recently within the last few years, the NFL decided to go with an exclusive helmet type for everybody. So everyone has to wear the same style. And it was one of these companies that basically came up with a, a new style helmet that had, you know, it's subtle differences because they tried to maintain the look of the old helmets because people were so hung up on it. But there's still a lot, a lot of technology that goes into it that we don't even see because it's mostly on the inside and it has to do with the material that's used to make it. So you, you don't see it because it's all painted and, it, you know, the guys are wearing it. But if right. you compare the old helmets to the ones today, there's, it's a vast difference with material, uh, how light they are, how stronger they are. And this is yeah. all very scientifically researched and studied. I mean, Brian, I played with an old bike helmet, you know, with the, <laughs> the little cushions, the little like multi-cushion pads. <laughs> yeah. and the, so, and then obviously the shut was the nice one. The shut had the replacement, you know, the, the bladder. Um, and you know, so I, I, I know it all, but yeah, these new helmets, they seem to be away from the forehead. Like when I played, you have the, the pad right on top of the, you know, right on top of, right in front of the helmet. Yeah. Now it's like your head is more pushed in. So if you do have that head on head, you, you can absorb the contact a little bit. I mean, it's still not good. And they've kind of outlawed that with the way the tackling methods are and stuff like that. But yeah. certainly it is a little bit more protection. And I guess that's all about modern technology, you know? Yeah, the, 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 what's really, um, a lot of the technology isn't even necessarily in the helmet. It's, just, it's in the equipment they use to measure and do the research on the helmets, believe it or not. All these like different force measurement uh, instrumentation and things in the labs and stuff, it's, it's really quite, quite impressive. Um, I've never been lucky enough to actually see the labs or see how they do these testing, but I know that there's a lot more companies that have gotten into the mix. You know, it used to be basically like Rydell was like the helmet company and that was the only right. one mm -hmm. they basically had a monopoly on the entire thing and then Pretty shut nice. came along and then there's been some other helmets as well that have come along uh, other companies that have come along too but you know there's a lot of subtle changes you might not notice at first glance but if you put them side to side you'll see it's a huge difference yeah that's great stuff i mean because again it's just you know some of the horror stories we hear with some of these older players and we're hoping that that doesn't 
that's not the case moving forward. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we don't need to be hearing about that stuff anymore. That's that was not uh, it's not good. So, um, Kev, thank you again for joining me. Uh, oh, anybody in the room? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna kind of close this thing out here because it's getting close to kickoff time. If I'm not mistaken, usually by eight twenty, I think, right? They kick off. Um, yeah, a few minutes to go. Yeah, so I want everybody to go enjoy the game, relax, kick back, grab a, a drink, and just chill out and enjoy some good football tonight. Thursday night games, Kev, and maybe you agree, have been pretty awesome this year so far. They really have, and normally, you know, you, you know, you get, you, know, you don't really get the greatest of play of Thursday because you know the the the, the, the you know the rest factor, but right. they've been really good games, and um, so I'm excited tonight. I think um, you know, obviously, you know, the the world champs are going to Philly, but. I'm a big fan of Jalen Hurts. I've been a big fan of his since Alabama. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, he, uh, the Eagles could surprise, even though, I can, you know, Tampa should, you know, talent-wise should mop him up. But I think Philly's got a really good shot to, you know, pulling off an upset. Yeah. I mean, I, you've got to give a lot of props to all these young quarterbacks that have been thrust into the spotlight all of a sudden this year, and they all seem to be stepping up and doing really well. So I guess all the hype about that most recent couple of draft classes wasn't wasn't all hype. It was real. I mean, these guys have mm-hmm. stepped up, so it's cool yeah, to these see. Guys are coming in the NFL more prepared than ever. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So thanks again, everybody, uh, for joining the Injury List podcast here on Clubhouse under the Pro Sport Network. Um, I do record this uh, ep- this room, so it's going to be published tomorrow. In case you guys missed it, um, you want to get some information that we talked about earlier in the show, it will be published as my podcast. So you can find links to all that information in my profile. Um, check me out on all the major platforms that carry all of your favorite podcasts. I'm on all of them as well. And uh, I just want to thank everybody for stopping by and uh, enjoy the game tonight, huh? You got it, Brian. All right. Great night. And don't forget to tune into Kev's show, Not Your Ordinary Football Show, Tuesdays evenings here on Clubhouse as well in the Pro Sport Network. Kev will see you on Tuesday. I'll probably pop in as well. Sounds good. I look forward to it. Have a great one, guys. Enjoy. <laughs> This is the Injured List Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Are you interested in being a guest on the show? Or do you know someone who would make a good guest? Want Brian Scott to be on your show? If so, share the podcast with your friends. Or drop us a line and we will get back to you right away. Email us at theinjuredlist411 at gmail.com or visit our website at www.theinjuredlist.com.